Hello and welcome. It is your money. My name is Susie Jones reminding you for the next hour, you can call 651-461-9226 if you have a text question or you want to actually jump on the air with us. If you have a financial question for Bruce or Peg, you can always call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 8886-ADVICE. You can always email your questions as well at your money. Your money at wealthenhancement.com. Now, here is Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Hello to both of you. Good morning, everyone. Hello, Peg Webb. Hello, Susie Jones. Uh, thank you for being with us, listeners. Hey, Peg, um, last spring, I think it was in April, we actually did a show where we talked about how people that use financial advisors do better than those that don't. Yet the, the, the stats indicate that the vast majority of people out there, probably a lot of people listening to us right now, have not engaged a financial advisor. And there, and there might be various reasons. Maybe you don't know who to trust. Maybe you don't know how to pick one. Maybe you are embarrassed about your own situation. But undoubtedly, one of the reasons people don't choose a financial advisor is they don't want to pay for the advice. They, they take the approach that if I add the cost of, of paying for the advisor, how do I come out ahead if I, if, I, if I can do something myself and do it for free? Why would I pay somebody else and add that expense? So our topic today, we're kind of coming at something similar, but from a slightly uh, different context, why pay for financial advice, or more specifically, why don't people want to pay for financial advice, or why should they pay for financial advice? Yeah, I, I love this topic in that I think we need to have a basis for a start. And I often think that us as humans, we all have kind of certain traits. So if there's people out there that do not hire financial advisors or they feel like they don't need advice or they do feel like they need advice but they don't want to pay for it, that probably isn't the only thing that they don't want to pay for, right? So we, we classify these people as do-it-yourselfers. And if you're do-it-yourselfer and you have the skills in your mind, you believe you do, then it's harder to convince them, Bruce, that they need people like us. Then there's this whole other class of people out there that truly, I think they know they need us, but it's for all sorts of other reasons that they haven't contacted a financial advisor. And that is, Bruce, you mentioned um, already, maybe you're embarrassed. Like you don't even know, am I doing okay? Am I not doing okay? how would somebody view me or judge me if I came and talked to them? So um, one of the benefits, I believe, and it's the biggest benefit, and I want to say this right in the beginning of the show, is money is such an emotional thing. And you might hire someone to build a new deck for your house and think, no problem. I, you know, even if I could do that, I'm going to, I'm going to farm that out. I'm going to pay someone to do that. But when it comes to your money, not only is it hard to lay your cards on the table, like this is how I've done myself. Now, you know, please don't judge me. It also is such an emotional thing. And I say that because when it comes to money, 
we all kind of have a preconceived notion of what that money's supposed to do for us. And then also we have some things in our head that we learned even as a young child about money. So I wanted to say all that because it is hard to take that first step, but I believe, and I want to, and, and this is the biggest point I want to make today is even though I have done this job for decades of time, guess what? I have other people manage my money because when the market is like it is right now and the market is really high or it's really low, I have those same emotions that everybody online today that's listening because it's my money. I can do a great job for everyone else when it comes to their money and I can direct them in the right, um, right, right direction. But once again, when it comes to my money, Bruce and Susie, that's a whole different ballgame because I have a, a lot of emotion. I've worked really hard for this money. You know, I don't want to lose it. Well, and, and you know, I, I really think if I didn't have the guidance of the roundtable and the people at Wealth Enhancement Group, I would make mistakes. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, I think that's, that's an awesome point, and it, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. None of us is immune from emotion. I mean, let's be honest. And, and I think good financial advisors understand that and relate to their clients. We always talk about putting ourselves in, you know, in their shoes or in their situation and giving advice based on them, not based on our world or, or our core values or our beliefs. We have to find out you know, what's important to them. But, you know, again, it, it comes back to this idea, I think, in part, um, what is the advisor actually going to do for me to make it worthwhile? And, and you're right. Some people, there's nothing you could say. No matter how compelling of a case we make on this show or in a public speaking event or whatever, they're just, they're just insistent that they know what they're doing. They don't need any help. There's no way that anyone can justify the cost of the advice. There, there's nothing you would say that would change their mind. And there's also a certain percentage of people that just, you know, will, will procrastinate or are embarrassed. They're not philosophically opposed for, to paying for advice, but for whatever reason, just don't get started. But I think there's a lot of people on the fence wondering, well, is it worth it or not? Or should I do it? Or what, or, you know, and I think that's kind of where I want to focus today is if you do engage somebody what what are you going to get, and how how is it going to be worthwhile to you net of cost? And I know I, I I'm sure I've said this on the show before, and I definitely say it at every introductory meeting with a, a, a potential client. We will inevitably talk about what I expect of them and what they expect of me, and what it costs, and you know what we I try to give them an honest picture of what things are going to look like, and I always tell them. If anything I'm saying to you today turns out not to be true, if we don't say what I say, if we don't do what I say we're going to do, or if you can't see the value net of cost after a reasonable period of time, you should fire me. That's what I would do if I engaged someone like me and they didn't deliver what I expected. I would fire them and either go back to being a do-it-yourselfer or try somebody else. But I wouldn't stay somewhere if I wasn't satisfied with with you know the results of the job they're doing. But up front, you, you, there's nothing to measure. You know, we, we can say a lot of things as advisors, but people do have to take a leap of faith to engage us 
and then we have to earn that trust and respect and prove ourselves. But up front, there's just no way to measure until you actually jump in. And I think, you know, again, getting the first meeting for a lot of people is tough, and then making the decision to jump in is tough. It, it just it is, and I understand that. And I'm not insensitive to that. So, Peg, let's talk about some of the ways that we, you know, that we think our we help our clients and we're value added. Yeah, I wanted to um, really not just talk about Wealth Enhancement Group because we understand kind of how our entire business works. And the first thing I think people think about is I don't really need anyone to help me pick investments. I mean, how easy is that? I'm on the computer. I can buy indexes. They can be really cheap. Um, and, and so I feel like that's one reason that people may not hire some, somebody. And then I think there's also this idea that the only thing you're going to get out of hiring someone is helping you manage your money. So what percentage of what should I be in? Should I be in this percentage of the S and P 500? Should I be in international? Should I be in stocks, bonds? Um, you know, what else you got? Well, that was a that was actually very much the norm is you would hire someone just to manage your money. And a lot of people out there still do. And why I wanted to lead with that is because the other parts of value that wealth enhancement and other firms, some other firms that I know add more value than just managing money. And that is, we talk about this a lot. What's important to you. So I can't stress more um, or accentuate more the fact that a lot of couples come in to see us. A lot of single, newly single people by way of maybe divorce or, or um, uh, their significant other passed away or something like that. What do we add? Well, first we have to identify what's important to you. So do you want to leave a legacy to your kids? Do you want to own two houses one day? Do you want to make sure that you don't run out of money before you run out of time? I call this Putting your, if you if you have the vision, like I'm a visionary, so I've got pictures in my head, an actual movie going on in my entire life. But if you don't have a movie, you know, you can describe things to us, and then we create that vision and put it into numbers, and then give you the confidence that you can actually move forward. And yes, all the things that you're wishing and hoping for um, are going to come true. So. I feel like you've got to find an advisor that actually cares about you, wants to lead with that. All these questions about, because some people, Bruce, they actually go, whoa, 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 why are you asking me all these personal questions? Well, you're going to want your advisor to get their arms around you, or I believe you can't give the, the, the fullest, well-rounded advice if you don't, Bruce. I, again, that's that's such a good point. And, and Peg, there there are people in our space, and there are, there's media, and there's a lot of places where you can you know, where someone will give people specific investment advice. You should buy this, or you should do this. And I, and it always kind of freaks me out because I'm like, how can you just say that the same thing is right for everybody watching you or listening to you right now or, or knocking on your door or calling your your phone? How can the one, one right investment be right for everybody? Don't all these people have different core values, different goals and objectives, different risk tolerances, different time horizons? How can you advise someone that you don't know 
and you don't know what makes them tick. I've never understood that. I've never believed in that. And in fact, that was a lot of motivation for how we created the business model for Wealth Enhancement Group when we started it. We wanted to do something that that made more sense to us than what the rest of the world was doing. And I like that you went down the road of financial planning because, again, in terms of investing, could someone do it on their own? Sure, you could. But like you pointed out, you know, right at the very beginning, there's emotion involved. And even you, who's an, an expert and been in this business your whole adult life, you still rely on other people. Sometimes their job as an advisor is to save people from themselves and the decisions they might make when they're emotional. No one ever makes good decisions when you make emotional decisions. Um, so we could be guilty of that ourselves, and you said that earlier. But the other thing is, and, and we've been skirting around it, and you, you kind of brought us to it, and I'm glad you did. It's not just about the ROI on your investments. Could someone do it on their own? Yes, but maybe they wouldn't do a good job if they get emotional. And can you hire firms that, that help you pick investments? Or are there ways of doing that more cheaply than, than hiring a financial advisor? Yes, but again, investment management is just one small part of comprehensive financial planning. And there's a lot of firms. I'm not going to name them, but you know who they are. There's a lot of household names out there that if you looked at return on investment, ROI, and you compared apples to apples, similar portfolios, a lot of us are all going to look very, very similar. So, when, again, when I'm in that face-to-face meeting with a potential client and, and, and when the, where the rubber meets the road and they're like, why should we engage you over someone else? I never say because of return on investment. I, I, I know that will be competitive, but I'm really, I focus them on the financial planning and the things that we do that maybe others in our space don't do or that we, you know, that we take pride in doing and we know that we do well. And part of the reason we know we do it well is we survey our clients and they tell us we, that we do. And they stay and they're happy. So I'm glad you went down the road of financial planning. Now, does everybody want comprehensive planning? Does everybody need it? Maybe not. Maybe you're happy with someone that just helps you a little bit on your investments. That's fine. And that's a conversation that we have with people. Maybe you're not the right fit. If you don't want all the things that we bring to most of our clients, then, then, then maybe you should look somewhere else. So um, let's, let's stay on that thread or I guess uh, find another good thread for us. But the financial planning thread, I'm glad you went down that road, Peg. Well, and I think it is important because um, actually, to me, the managing money part uh, is kind of the easy part when it comes to Wealth Enhancement Group, because our roundtable of specialists actually, um, between financial planning and the investment management, we do company retirement plans, we do retirement planning, just like we talked about last week, sustainable income for life. That's complex. We do employee benefit plans, we do taxes. We do tax strategy coaching, and we actually do tax preparation, and all of those things intertwine. So when you think about taking the next step and saying, hey, maybe I don't need just money management, I need all these planning, and I don't know if planning is even the word, comprehensive advice on everything else surrounding my money. That's probably the best way to say it. And with then you want to know, Okay, is that included in my cost? So one of the um, structures of Wealth Enhancement Group, and, and it, on day one, you know, decades ago, 
so many people were hiring money managers just to beat the market. Um, by the way, the markets have become so much more efficient themselves. So I feel it's hard to justify just paying somebody to manage your money with nothing else, other services. But Wealth Enhancement Group has always added all this comprehensive planning along with money management. And that's when clients have seen the value of coming with us. And I like what you said, Bruce, you're not going to really know it, you know, until you take that leap of faith. But I I want to um, focus on taxes. Taxes matter in everything you do. And I think still so many people see their taxes as being just a separate, separate part of their financial life. And it intertwines with every decision that you make all year long. One point is with these qualified charitable distributions that you can do if you're 72 and a, 72. And the the um, well, you can do them at 70 and a half. But if you're brand new getting to 72, then you can't. So anyway, it's a deduction and you can pull the dollars out of your IRA, give them to charity, and then it, you don't have to put that on your tax return. It's not taxable. Well, when clients come in and I don't care who their CPA is or their accountant, I review their taxes. My team does to see if they put their qualified charitable distribution on the tax return correctly. Guess how many, Bruce, are wrong when I check them? I bet you it's close to half. Half of them. And part of it is it's, it's, it, it's a multi multitude of reasons. But because you give to charity, a lot of times if you don't tell your CPA or your accountant that you did it under this QCD, then the accountant's going to think, oh, that's part of charity. That's part of an itemized deduction. Oh, can't use it. Throws it aside. Well, that's what's happening is that the, the disconnect between the client telling their CPA that they did it and then, um, you know, I'm not happy. And today, you know what? You don't sit down with your CPA and go through your whole tax return together. You're putting your pile together and then you're shooting it off. But that's what an advisor should do. They should help you find things that maybe you had to do yourself. You delegated yourself and then come back full circle I like that Wealth Enhancement Group knows what strategies we recommended, but we want to make sure that those strategies were implemented correctly then on the tax return. Bruce? Yeah, and what you're really talking about is, I think, Peg, is um, tax diversification. And again, it's a subset of comprehensive financial planning. It's one of the things I'm talking about in the current seminar that I'm doing. But, you know, and we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating Oftentimes, when somebody comes up to us the first time, the vast majority of their savings and investments are in a tax-deferred, like traditional 401k plan at work. And that's fine. Those plans are great, and we want them to participate in those plans, but not to the extent that they don't get diversification. Everybody listening right now understands asset allocation or, or investment diversification. You don't put all of your eggs in one basket. You have stocks and bonds. And maybe you have real estate, maybe you have commodities, maybe you have gold or silver and other precious metals. You, you invest in a lot of things to mitigate risk. Well, we also have tax diversification. Some investments we want to be in taxable accounts, some we want in tax deferred, and some we want in so-called tax advantaged. And why? Because then it gives us flexibility when, when we're going to take our paycheck for life at retirement Sometimes we want to spend tax-deferred money and maybe soak up the tax bracket that we're in, and sometimes we don't. And this is all 
you know, retirement income planning is another subset of comprehensive financial planning. Yeah, and there's there's more to even comprehensive financial planning. It's like how well are you protected from a um, liability standpoint, you know, property and casualty, life insurance, long-term care, umbrella policies. I bring that up all the time uh, because people have a net worth and they should know that if something happens, they need to be able to protect that. And then also, I mentioned early in the show about do you want to leave a legacy? Well, that changes how you spend your money. That also incorporates your wills and your trusts. And and even if you've done it one time, our clients have done it one time, but I'm constantly saying, you know what, we better have that reviewed because five years, 10 years has gone by and you may not want what you have in that document, nor do a lot of clients remember, Bruce, what they said in that document. So we help them um, you know, just review that at, at this particular time. Right. Susie, I think we're about due for a break. When we come back, we'll tell people how to go about picking an advisor, and we'll get the listener involved. Yeah, that number is 651-461-9226. Already getting some text this morning on your money. Is investing in gold and silver a good idea right now? Maybe we'll get to that answer after this. Welcome back. Susie Jones here along with Bruce and Peg reminding you if you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce at any time, you can call this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That is 1-888-6-ADVICE. You can also email your questions to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. But right now, for the next little bit, we have our text line open at 651-461-9226. You can either call with a question or you can text it. Welcome back, Bruce and Peg. For listeners that joined us late, we've been talking about why would you pay for financial advice? If you can make your own investments, if you can go buy um, a, you know, an index mutual fund or whatever that's really cheap, why would you add your cost? And we talked about a lot of the things that advisors do that add value. And I, and I don't want to redo the whole first half of the show, but, but it's a pretty exhaustive list of things that that we help people do that they probably would not be able to do by themselves. So, Peg, let's assume, even though I know it's not true, we said in the first half of the show, some people will never be convinced no matter what we say. But let's assume that we got through to some listeners and they're thinking, they've convinced me. I think it would be a good idea for me to find somebody to help me. How how the heck, you know, we, we said in the first half of the show, part of what makes this hard is knowing how to get started. How do they get started? How would they go about finding an advisor if they become convinced that maybe it's it's an idea worth pursuing, Peg? Yeah, I think the first place is to talk to your friends and family and ask them if they have what they believe a competent financial advisor. And I would even ask uh, when you are talking to someone you know, and, and if they say, yes, I am working with an advisor, uh, ask them, well, what do they actually do? You know, what is it that you like about them or their company? And that's a good start because our, as you know, Bruce, our clients are raving fans and they do, um, they do uh, contact us and, and we, they send lots of referrals. So thank you for that. But one of the things is, is our clients will ask us in these review meetings, um, what exactly do I need to know when someone asks me? They, they actually kind of get uncomfortable because they're like, I don't know if they have enough money 
you know, I don't mention you because I don't think they, I don't think they would fit you guys. I don't think they have enough money. I said, that's not for you guys to decide. We offer a free consultation. And especially if it's your friends and family, we are going to take the time. And I wanted to also mention then if people go see somebody, make sure that they are interested in you. I think you can tell a lot by body language, what these advisors are doing. Are they listening to you? Are they asking important questions that they should know about you? Maybe you don't necessarily want to tell them everything up front. And I'm just talking about personal things. I mean, a lot of people will say, well, here's my money, but they don't want to say, you know, what's your vision? What's your thoughts about your kids? They don't necessarily want to get that interested that quickly. And, and I'm just saying it's something that I think you should look for. Also, you should look for the experience of that person, but not just that one person. Don't hire one person. Make sure that that person that you do like has a round table or a bunch of specialists because there's not a single person, and I'll be the first to tell you, I know enough to be dangerous in every single area of comprehensive planning. I can't keep up with all the things that I need to know for a particular client. I need help with my roundtable and my team. And then also, I would highly recommend a fiduciary, somebody that's actually going to work in your best interest and is actually legally obligated to. Now, you might wonder, well, why wouldn't they do that? Just why wouldn't everyone do that? Well, you're still going to want to know that they are a fiduciary because um, they have to follow, and we are, we have to follow really stringent guidelines um, with working with clients. And then you can check on uh, background checks on advisors. But I would first go interview the people and ask the right questions. Bruce? Yeah, those are, those are all, that's all good advice. And, and, and I like what you said also, again, sometimes, you know, picking an advisor or, or any decision we make in life, there's, there's something quantifiable, but oftentimes it's not. I like what you said about body language and are they, you know, are they seem interested in you? I've had, I've had so many people over the years tell me that when they interviewed another advisor first, all the advisor did was talk about themselves and their success and their, and their education and how smart they are and what, what kind of great rate of return they can get. And I think, my conversations with a potential new client, it's way more about the client. I only talk about myself in conjunction to answering their question so they know who we are and what they're getting into. But I don't sit there in a meeting and, you know, and boast about me or boast about the company. Um, if, if I do boast, it's only an answer to a question of something they want to know, and I'm giving them a straight, honest answer. But it's mostly about them. What makes you tick? What's your core values? When do you want to retire? What does your retirement look like? Do you want to help your kids? Do you want to help your grandkids? Do you want a second home someday? I, these are important things to know for us to give the best possible advice, and that's mostly what the conversation should be about, is about you as the client, not about how, how smart your advisor is. So, Pe Peg, any last key thoughts that you think uh, we should share with listeners? Otherwise, Sounds like Susie's starting to get some uh, good text questions. Yeah, no, I think we've covered it, Bruce. I think we should get listeners involved. 
All right, very good. Well, 651-461-9226, that is a number to call or text. Let's start with the first text we got. Can you please explain the difference between POD and TOD and what type of assets they apply to? And could you guys, for me, explain what those letters mean? So, Peg, uh, the texter is talking about payable upon death or transferable upon death. Um, what, what does that mean, POD and TOD, payable and transferable? Yeah, payable on death uh, and transfer on death actually ultimately mean the same thing. It just is uh, within the banking system, uh, the banking system likes payable on death, and then the brokerage system or, you know, uh, where you have your investments typically wants a TOD transfer um, transfer on death. Now, I, I would absolutely check with the um, bank or the institution that you work with, you know, what they prefer. I kind of wish, Bruce, that they just had one because it is confusing to our clients. Um, but that's all it is. It's in, in what it is is it, it's a great thing to have because you're putting that in basically a beneficiary uh, place. So you're saying transfer on death to my husband, you know, transfer on death to my daughter. That then avoids probate. And so it is a really big deal. And it's part of our comprehensive planning that we make sure that there is something listed um, or that your money is in a trust uh, because we're trying to help our clients avoid probate uh, at all costs. Yeah, and I would just add, you know, yeah, so TOD, POD, it means the same thing as beneficiary, but this is really important, Peg. Um, on retirement accounts, you have a beneficiary automatically. It's your spouse unless you indicate otherwise. But on these accounts, and they're often non-IRA or non-qualified accounts, you don't have to have a POD or a TOD or a beneficiary on there. So if you want one, it's your responsibility to tell the broker or to tell your banker that you want to name a beneficiary on your account because they're not going to automatically do it or presume they know who you want unless you tell them, A, yes, I want one, and B, here's who I want it to be. So that's your responsibility, and that's something everyone listening to us right now should go review, because I'd be willing to bet there's any number of people listening right now that have an account or more than one account where they might be thinking they have a beneficiary, but they don't. So check those beneficiaries. All right. The one thing I want to add, too, here, just as a, as a sidebar, is I've noticed – when new prospective clients come in that they have a bank account with like, let's say one of their daughters or sons and it's a joint account. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that because you are actually then if something happened to you giving ownership to that son or daughter and there's other children. So I've had to correct that a lot. So when you're revisiting your PODs and TODs, Make sure if you do have a joint tenancy account and it is somebody that's actually supposed to be inheriting your money down the road, that you would have a um, payable on death or transfer on death. Or at the bank account, you can have added like an uh, extra person if something happens to you just so that they can pay the bills, you know, if, if you pass away suddenly or something like that. 
So, Bruce, I wanted to throw that in because I'm seeing more and more of that where people are adding a son or daughter. Great point. All right. Should we get to some more text questions? Please. 651-461-9226. This texture I mentioned before we took the break. Is investing in gold or silver a good idea right now, given the markets or not? And I want to add, you know, for people listening, we have seen the markets in the last week go haywire. And I do think it does make all of us go, well, is this really the right place? So maybe address that quick question about market fears and is gold and silver a a place to put your money? Pig. Well, let's just address the market. I, I figured we'd talk about it sometime during the show today, but we um, kind of got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back in June, it was very volatile, and and a lot of the clients I talked to didn't even know that we were down at twenty nine thousand nine hundred in June, and then we rallied way back up, and now we're going down again, which we expect. We expect it to be rocky, and um, and so the message here is. And our clients know it. I haven't, I haven't gotten a single call from our clients because they understand we are well positioned as comprehensive planners to be able to create paychecks for the rest of their lives. I will repeat this again. I am so happy that last year was such a high stock market year because it actually told us to take profits and set those aside and safe for at least three years of income for our clients. So they're looking at us today going, wow, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, and so I know it's scary and I, and I don't want to um, make light of that. It, it's just that it is going to be rocky here as we get through the, um, you know, the raising of interest rates. We got to get inflation down. I know we haven't seen this for a long time because we had a 13-year pretty much up market. And um, so it's unsettling. But yet, we all will get through this. And I would just coach people, please do not take uh, your highest emotions right now and do something that's going you're going to regret, Peg, you know, in a year or two. Can I just ask you a follow up to that personally? Um, what if you are in a place where you are starting to take money out of your investments for retirement? Is it and you know what I'm saying? That And that number goes down and down and your income might be depleted if you have too much, if you're too stock heavy. Could that happen? Well, first of all, if you're too stock heavy, I'm pretty much going to say shame on you because you should have been prepared for years of income. And I feel like the writing was on the wall, right? That we were we were going up and up. Not that I called my clients and saying, hey, I'm feeling like this is the highest point of the market. I can't do that. But what we did is we made sure that our clients have safe money to live on and not have to sell a stock. So for the people who didn't do that, um, I I, yeah. I think you've, you've got to make a decision and you know, because I feel like it's going to be rocky for a little while here. So real quick, this texter says, is gold or silver a place to put your money right now? Uh, Bruce, do you want to take that one? Mm. Sure. Uh, well, and, and, I, and, and I wasn't going to let us forget that. I, I want to jump in on the, on the market question, though, too. So let me, let me finish that thought, and I'll come back to precious metals. Um, and it's funny because a really good client of mine actually emailed me here during the show, and he said, very interesting show today. It makes sense. Now go get my money back. Um, so I think he's being facetious or tongue-in-cheek. But, um, yeah, it's been a, a, a very bad year in the market, and we always tell people, 
you know, the market is like the weather. We can't control it. I can't control the weather, but um, if it's if I think it's going to be cold, I can bring a jacket. If I think it's going to rain, I can bring an umbrella. Um, the stock market volatility this year was not a complete surprise, and there's things that we can do to ease the pain. But but to your follow-up question, Susie, about selling stocks when the market's down, maybe a better example is 2008, because this isn't reached that level of badness yet this year. It's a bad year. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And part of what's made it, uh, part of what's made it a bad year is it's not just stocks, it's multiple asset classes, including bonds, which usually have a converse relationship to stocks. Usually if one is doing bad, the other one's doing good, and this year they're both doing bad. So it's kind of like no safe harbor, sort of, um, other than maybe things like precious metals. I'll come back to that. So the, mar- the market has been really, really bad, and I, and I understand that. But to your point, um, about selling stocks when the market's down, and Peg kind of answered it, but I really want to drive this point home. We coach our clients to have short-term, mid-term, and long-term money. And if you go back to 2008, as bad as it was, and the market was down over 60% over an 18-month period of time, none of my clients had to change their lifestyle. They had less money in the spring of 2009 on paper than they did in the fall of 2007, but nobody had to go back to work. The snowbirds still went south for the winter. The the people that gifted their kids still gifted or tithed to their church, they still tithed. Nobody had to change their lifestyle because they were using their short-term money that we coached them to use. And, you know, if, if when the they didn't have to touch stocks. They had enough short-term money. They had time to wait for the stock market to recover. And that's the other thing Peg said. It's never a bad idea to take winnings off the table. If you're way up and you need money and you want to sell stocks and lock in those gains, that's fine. And the thing is, even and Peg also alluded to this, even with the retraction that we've had this year, the vast majority of my clients, unless they just started with me very recently, are still way up. They're not down. They don't have negative returns. They're not underwater. They've just lost some of what they've made the last several years. They're still way up. And if they said, I need money right now and I'm going to sell some stocks, I might look to see if there's other alternatives or better alternatives. But even if they sold this year, it's not as high as it was nine months ago but it's still a lot higher than where it was five years ago. And it's still not the worst decision in the world. So um, I get the nervousness. I get the skittishness. I get the, you know, that the people are concerned. And, uh, but I, I swear, and I always say this, it never bothers me personally, but I get why it bothers other people. Okay, gold and silver and other precious metals always become very popular in inflationary periods of time. And I like precious metals as part of a broadly diversified portfolio. But, Susie, usually when we get the question, it's under the context of, should I take all of my money, sell all my stocks, and put it all in gold and silver? And to that, I say, no, that's a terrible idea. If you're afraid of volatility, and I don't remember the exact years, but once gold was down, and it was down for 27 years. It didn't get back to the original price you know, after the retraction for 27 years. The stock market has never had a 27-year down cycle. So 
Gold and silver in small bits as part of a broadly diversified portfolio, absolutely in favor of. To go put all of your money in gold bullion or gold bars, absolutely bad idea. Okay. So we have two minutes left of the show this week. A texter writes, great show. Do all clients get a roundtable review on their investment portfolio, Bruce or Peg? Peg? Well, the roundtable is very broad within Wealth Enhancement Group. Um, What we do is we uh, review clients within our team, which is actually technically a little small roundtable. And then we have an ongoing roundtable daily where this is the best part. Because we're an all-sharing company, uh, advisors coast-to-coast will email um, a question and all sorts of replies will come to that question. Now, when I have a complex situation, and that can be often, I will reach out to the planning department, the tax department, the investment department um, independently and figure that out. But the roundtable, um, we, they, it's ongoing is what I'm saying. Bruce? Yeah, it's an, it's an, it's an ever-ending process, and mm-hmm. advisors never make decisions unilaterally by themselves. They always have help, and I know we're almost out of time. Yes, but thank you for all that great advice. And we did have other people that did not get their questions through. So please, people on the text line, email your question at yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com or, of course, call 888-6-ADVICE. Remember that complimentary meeting. See you next week, everyone.